Welcome back to the Tech Policy Grind. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a fellow with the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, the organization where the next generation of tech law and policy professionals convene to write, think, and talk about the web, technology, and disruptive innovation. This is the Tech Policy Grind, the Foundry's podcast where we chat about what's going on in the world of tech policy. I've mentioned before that we recently brought on some new fellows to the Foundry's ranks. And I'm not biased at all, but they're some of the coolest people I've met in the space. I can't wait to see what they do in their respective fields as we navigate our careers in tech and internet law and policy all together. I promised you'd get to meet them soon. So for this episode, Foundry fellow Lama Muhammad sits down with some of these new members of the Foundry's new cohort of fellows, including Akene Chuksokeke, an LLM student in the Law, Technology, and Entrepreneurship program at Cornell Tech in New York City, and Lily Siri Spira, media and campaign marketing manager for the Teddy Collaborative, a nonprofit focusing on socioeconomic inequities within and stemming from the tech industry. Lama chats with Akene and Lily about their respective backgrounds and discusses their experiences at the recent Junior Fellows Program kickoff, the State of the Net conference, and why they joined the Foundry. Enjoy! Hi, Akene and Lily. Thank you so much for joining this week's episode of the Tech Policy Grind podcast. We are so excited to have you join us, not only on the show, but on, in our growing community of internet law and policy professionals. Um, here, we are going to discuss your background, induction to the foundry, experiencing state of the net for the very first time, and more. So without further ado, let's dive in. Um, before we get into the meat of our discussion today, I want our listeners to get to know a little bit about you. Where do you currently work and or study? And outside of the foundry, what is your day-to-day entail? Ekene, let's start with you. Hi, Lama. So I'm Ekene. I'm an intellectual property and privacy attorney from Nigeria. I practiced law there before I started my master's at Cornell Tech in law, technology, and entrepreneurship, which is kind of a mouthful. In my day-to-day life as a student, um, it's a lot of going to class making notes, doing assignments, and also trying to like catch up with people, sending emails, and meeting people over Zoom. Thanks. Lily, do you want to share about your background, where you work, what you do every day? Yeah. So, hi. Uh, it's great to be on the pod. <laughs> um, <laughs> currently, I'm the social media and campaign marketing manager at Tech Equity Collaborative. Um, Tech Equity Collaborative is an organization that focuses on socioeconomic inequities, both within the tech industry and that result from the tech industry. Um, And on a day-to-day basis, I'm doing research, I'm creating content like blogs and infographics and videos, and uh, managing a lot of our comms projects. Awesome. As a fellow comms person, I love to see more of us in the space. So it's nice that you're here. Woo! <laughs> Woo woo! Um, so thank you everyone for sharing. Uh, to sort of set the stage for our conversation today, how did you discover the Internet Law and Policy Foundry? What brought you to the organization? And ultimately, 
why did you apply to be a fellow? Um, so for me, I'm interested in policy. So I feel like in the long term, while I'm an attorney right now, like I would want to work in policy, um, influencing the law somehow, um, whether in the future or soon. So that's how I found out about the Internet Law and Policy Foundry on LinkedIn. So I think I'd been following the Foundry for about a year on LinkedIn when I saw the post about applying to be a fellow. So that's really what led me to the Foundry. So joining um, the fellowship is because I know that I would want to work in this field like in the future. So I just wanted like exposure to that work. Yeah. And also to meet other people who are interested in policy as well. Yeah. And I'm glad that you found us through LinkedIn means that the work I'm doing on LinkedIn is working. So that's always a bonus to hear. (laughs) I'm so glad. Lily? Well, it's definitely working on me. Um, It worked on me. I mean, you, you worked on me because, uh, because, so we, so we met each other through All Tech is Human and also through, oh gosh, I forget the conference that we attended Uh, in New York. Yes. Unfinished Live. We were both like Mm -hmm. next gen ambassadors Mm -hmm. for that. And so I met you there for the first time in person after having like encountered each other online before. And I saw you posting about the foundry. And I was like, what, what is this? Like, let me check this out. Cause this girl is cool. Aww. I like what she does. And, and so like, and so like, let's see what it's about. And I go out and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I need. Um, I'm still in a place where I am trying to decide whether or not I want to go right. back to school, whether or not I want to switch more into policy and but I know that I'm really passionate about tech ethics that I'm really passionate about issues around the internet having been an open source investigator before and a misinfo analyst and so I was like okay this is a great opportunity to meet current people in the field and and figure out exactly what I want to be doing and and you know do some cool stuff yeah. along the way. Uh, that's always a good vibe. Uh, I'm really glad that we did meet each other because All Tech is Human, for those who are listening to or know about it, is a fantastic community. They have a Slack group where Lily and I actually met and you can interact with a whole community of people that are working within this space, looking to get into the space. Um, and we do a lot of great stuff with them in the future and they have great reports coming out. So definitely check them out. Unfinished is a new organization. They are looking to bring public interest to the technology space and do, I think, an annual conference in New York every year. So be sure to check it out. Um, Promo aside, (laughs) uh, I was introduced to the Foundry um, just before the beginning of us entering a hybrid world. And so I'm really happy that our class was able to do an in-person kickoff to welcome your cohort to our community. And I want to hear from each of you about your experience at the kickoff that was hosted at the Glen Echo Group, my wonderful office in D.C., especially with, you know, meeting everyone for the first time. Was it exactly what you expected? Was it more or less? Is something different that you wanted to see for next year? Just your general thoughts about that first day. I think the kickoff was a fantastic experience. I didn't have any expectations going into it because... You know, we were all in the Slack group, a bunch of strangers at that point. So I hadn't like actually met anybody at the Foundry. I had talked to Dylan before, 
Um, but then he wasn't even at the kickoff. So just after the kickoff, I was just really grateful that I went because it was great to like meet everyone in person. So I think that makes Slack a bit warmer and it's just easier to like interact with people and, you know, and plan to meet up and stuff like that. So so apart from the meeting each other, it was also a great um, introduction in terms of the learning contents that was planned, um, you know, about what the foundry is about and the kinds of things that we'll get to work on while we're here. So I thought it was great. So you guys did a fantastic job. Um, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly had no idea what to expect. I was like, all right, I'll fly out to DC. I'll see what's up. Like, I was just, I was just really excited. <laughs> um, especially after seeing everyone, not only in class four, but also in class five, where I was like, oh my gosh, so many of the people that I'm going to be interacting with, everyone's so interesting. All right, let's fly out to DC. Let's do it. Um yeah, I mean, it was it was amazing meeting everyone for the first time. I think that that kind of like conference space, especially when you're mm -hmm. going in with a specific group of people, it can be mm -hmm. really overwhelming. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But I immediately and I'm not and I'm not just saying this. I liked everyone. I liked everyone. Aww. No, and I really and I really did. And everyone was just so interesting and came with their own points of views. And it was a group in which it's just some of the least amount of social anxiety I've felt with like any group. Cause I was like, everyone's just really cool. And even mm -hmm. though this is a professional thing, people aren't super competitive and cutthroat. Like mm -hmm. everyone's here mm -hmm. to help and support each other. And it was a really mm -hmm. good vibe. And I think, mm -hmm class four your guys's class really helped create that vibe um everyone was Aww. just so welcoming and warm and plus glenn echo i loved the little swag we got from y'all where it was like <laughs> it was like a bottle opener and then i discovered later that it also was a charger charger yes. i freaked out <laughs> i freaked out and it yeah and it was yeah it was great I'm really glad I at the end of the first night I forgot that y'all had not even seen each other because everyone was already like linking arms and laughing with each other it was as if we had like known each other for the past couple of years so that was really it was really nice and I think I'm excited about the prospect of our just of our community growing and y'all are really adding a special something to it so I'm really excited for what's to come in these next two years Going into depth about our first day together, we organized some fireside chats with Foundry alumni on different tech policy topics, including artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, content moderation, Section 230, and privacy. What was your favorite session, and was there anything notable that you learned from the, the, the discussions? Lily, do you want to start? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think... For me, the Section 230 session was really, as a former open source investigator, as a former misinfo analyst, mm -hmm. that one was really important to me. And also as someone who currently does online activism, who's a social media manager. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's extremely pertinent to what I do and what I have done and what I care about. Um, plus we had 
great panelists. Like Ash, for instance, completely... I just loved how candidly she talked about these issues. And it wasn't in this very stuffy technical way. It was in a way that was very accessible and interesting and engaging. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, it just gave me a lot to think about. And I'm literally looking at my notes right now from that session where it's like, I'm looking at like EU co-regulatory mechanisms and audits and like, how does the first amendment get of, get involved like are these the right cases uh, in terms of the current supreme court cases around section 230 mm-hmm. uh, algorithmic transparency and tension there and so it's just it's really um yeah i'm i'm literally looking at my notes it was just it was so chock full of different things totally agree um and it's definitely the right time to be talking about content moderation in section 230 We'll probably get into this later in our discussion, but I think an overall theme of our few days together was that people, I think, underestimate the legitimacy and understandings of technology within government because, you know, from the Office of National Cyber Directors um, White House strategy, clearly there are experts in government who do know what they're doing and know what they're talking about. So I think it was refreshing to sort of hear that there is a general consensus and agreement around these particular issues, sort of getting into our experience at the State of the Net conference. So obviously after our kickoff was State of the Net, which for many of the fellows was their first time attending. Lily, was there anything that stood out to you most at State of the Net? What was your biggest takeaway from the conference? I think we touched about this a little bit, but I think again, the gravitation towards Section 230 um, was especially interesting for me. I think almost all the rooms had standing capacity on all of those sessions. So it's interesting to see what tech policy issues are top of mind for individuals this year. Yeah, Section 230 was a huge theme. You know, we had the fireside chat before the conference, and then Ash even also during the conference um, led a conversation about section 230. So it was definitely something that was really prevalent. I mean, my favorite part of any conference is really talking to people. I met so many different amazing Mm -hmm. people doing great things. The other thing I am one of, I was one of those people that before I came to the conference, my understanding was that people in government didn't know. They Mm -hmm. didn't know what they were talking about when it came to tech. I had seen all those TikTok clips of like, oh, like Mm -hmm. big fail, epic fail. I'm talking like a millennial Mm -hmm. actually right now, but big epic fail from like (laughs) Senator who doesn't understand blah, blah, blah. Um, But getting there, it was just so amazing to hear from people who are currently in government. Um, you know, hearing from different people in government about the AI mm-hmm. Bill of Rights and about different, um, like, what HUD is doing uh, with ed tech and innovation for values and rights. It's, it was, I think it was really good for me to hear that. It gave me a, a good new perspective that 
made me more confident in the government, the potential for national regulation in these issue areas, especially being born and raised and living in California. I think a lot of the times, and this was said throughout the conference, a lot of the times we're like, you guys don't know what you're doing on the national sphere. We're just going to take care of it ourselves. And in fact, that approach has been really in some ways detrimental to uh, developing national policies uh, that are comprehensive. And and so, yeah, it was just really great to have that. I was like, all right, like- all right government, I see you. You got experts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, what I was going to add to that is just the area of like the infrastructure investments because the conference was at the beginning of March. So you know how at the end of the year, people come out with stuff like, oh, this is stuff you know you should expect in the new year in terms of policy direction. So it was really helpful right. to just hear, okay, this is how much funding is allocated to this. I was very surprised to find out that there are people in the US that don't have access to high-speed internet, right? And the government is setting aside yes. you know, it's 50 yes. to 65 billion to connect them to the internet. Like that really surprised me. So that's that specifically stayed with me. So just seeing that, okay, these are the things that the government is investing in. So that directs our minds or my mind to what to expect from, you know, the policy space, like in the short term. Yes, agreed. I think you bring up a really important point because most of the time when we go to conferences like this, we tend to hear very high-level academic theories um, in connection to technology issues. And we tend to forget that while those complex issues are really important, that there are communities in the United States, especially rural and tribal and poor communities, that don't have access to the internet. So we can't even begin to think about some of those more complex issues and it's going to continue to be a a number one priority before we can think about you know the relationship between like data labor marxism (laughs) while it's important but i think like reality is that many people can't even think about that before they can even get online so thank you for bringing that up um yeah but if you do ever want to talk about data labor and marxism I'm here. I, I too am here. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a great it's a great topic. Um, so while State of the Net covered a variety of topics from generative AI to the future of streaming services, there is always room for improvement. Is there anything you'd like to see more of or differently next year? What do you think is your uh, top of mind tech policy issue for for this year? I know, Akina, you said. Um, broadband access but feel free to add on this one as well i thought it's interesting that ip was absent at state of the net Mm. because so much Mm. is going on in ip everything that's going on with generative Mm. ai like it affects ip as Mm. well so the ip absolutely yeah so what does what is copyright going to look like with generative ai and the copyright office has been they recently issued guidance on this. So that's a really exciting space, I think, right now. And it was, like, wildly absent. So at the next state of the next, I definitely want to see IP policy covered. Yes. Even, um, I think I talked to Patrick Lynn, who's also a fellow um, in my class about this, but what does copyright 
look like with voice AI, right? The future of music. He, he mentioned in our last, in our actual second last uh, podcast episode that if we were to use voice AI of Taylor Swift and Beyonce, like that would be an absolute no. So what kind of rights are upheld by different users based on voice, which I think would completely shift the music industry as a whole. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's really interesting and, I, and I'd be curious about that as well. Uh, Lily, do you have anything you'd like to add on what you'd like to see differently or what a top of mind tech policy issue is for you this year? I mean, I was <laughs> like the top of mind tech, the top of mind policy issue for me was around section 230. <laughs> so like, so, like I was, I was very satisfied by that. Uh, if anything, I was like, um, a lot of what I was trying to do at the conference, though, was attend sessions for things that I hadn't been thinking about. Okay. Because uh, I, I, I attended one of the Section 230 chats. But aside from that, there are a lot of other issue areas that I I just didn't know as much about. Um I've done, like, a little bit of research around data governance, actually, mm. for an All Tech is Human paper. But I was mm-hmm. like, all right, let's go, let's go sit down and actually like hear about it from other people. The only thing that I could see different is, of course, I just always want to see, I always want to see more diverse, diverse voices coming in. Right. You know, like you, like you said, when it comes to broadband, one of the biggest issues of broadband access in the United States is within indigenous communities, indigenous tribal communities. Right. And so it would have been great to hear from someone like from agreed, you know, you know, especially because there are like, I mean, not to get too into the weeds, but if you want to talk about law, tribal law is really complicated and tribal law in the context of then U S national law starts to get all sorts of complicated. So you bring internet law into that and policy and, and it gets all sorts of messy. And, but at the end of the day, however messy it can get, there is clearly an important issue at stake. And I think it's good to hear from representatives of the communities Mm -hmm. that have the most skin that have the, their skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it would, it would be really great to just have, have more representatives in that, in that sense. I, I, I completely agree. I think this goes back to our earlier bit about making sure that when we have these conferences and summits and panels that we don't forget the reality aspect to it. Obviously we talk about some pretty complex issues, but also remember that people are at the center of this and, I think I would like to see more of individuals who are greatly impacted by this technology present. So we talk a lot about like algorithmic accountability and predictive policing, but where are the individuals that were wrongfully accused of a crime by this technology? Are they in the room? Are they being, are they talking to the right people? Like, are we giving them the platforms to talk about how real this kind of issue is impacting them and their communities. Um, But hey, like that's why we have the Internet Law and Policy Foundry and we can take 
events into our own hands. And sort of shifting gears here, we had a moment during our kickoff session where we thought about brainstorming ideas for the future of the Foundry. And you all came up with some really great ideas. Um, Is there anything in particular that you wanted to share about a project that you hope to work on over the next two years in your time with the Foundry? So something that my team really wants to work on with the Foundry is like the writing. Like we know like the Foundry has this amazing podcast where we're trying to revive the blog. Our first post just went up last week. So just to put out a lot more written work. And we also want to make this knowledge like accessible because like Lily is from California where they actually vote on legislative um, proposals. So we want people to be able to understand these things that we talk about, not just on a high level, because they, but also because they affect all of us as well. So accessibility, more accessible knowledge, and a lot more written work. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. I am really excited for our Medium page to be revived. The Set of the Net recap, which we'll include in the show notes, is a great first blog. So thank you. Lily, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, one of the topics that I was I was talking to Ricky during the conference about a sp- specific topic that we might want to do an event on or an event series. We're still we're still talking it out of bringing together content moderators, open source investigators, activists. And then also policy experts, because these are all people who, things like Section 230, things like content moderation, um, all greatly affect the work they do. And when you look on the surface, there are a lot of juxtaposing and contradicting like interests and needs from all of these stakeholder groups. And yet all of these stakeholders are doing extremely important work. Um, so that's definitely something that I am interested in. And then I, I'm really excited about the blog getting reestablished. I love writing. I studied creative. I went to an art school, uh, an arts high school where I uh, majored in creative writing. So I always love opportunities to do Ooh. that. And I'm hoping to maybe do some video editing, maybe uh, get the podcast, get a couple of clips of the podcast animated or something along those lines. Yes. Um, So that's something that really excites me. Well, I'm so excited that y'all are here because the greater bandwidth power, the more that we can do. Um, And speaking of greater power, we ended our welcome program by taking a special visit to the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy in the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. And I want to hear from both of you about what you learned from either or both of these visits. And did any of these visits, or both of them, inform about the direction of where you'd like to take your tech policy career? Um, well, I really enjoyed taking photos of me talking into a microphone. Which you can see on our Twitter. <laughs> um, which you can see, Which you can see on the Twitter. I'm very, it's very action oriented. Uh, That was really, that was really exciting. Yeah. I mean, what I really learned is once again, there are people that are working on these issues within the government. The, The knowledge is there. The technical expertise is there. 
that starts to bring up some other questions as to like why why we haven't passed stuff like comprehensive privacy policy that starts to bring up other issues but definitely the technical expertise is there and they're doing such important work it definitely informs my career direction in terms of I really see as I go along in my career playing this role and being a sort of Mm. translator I'm someone I I like figuring out how to say things Mm -hmm. very plainly in ways that many people can understand and so and then also be the translator back which is that all right getting people's stories and then translating that back to like the technical experts and being like okay like here are people's stories and sort of being a translator for the other way as well and so I saw a lot of I saw a lot of that happening within those roles and while I don't know if I'd want to work in like the White House or you know in Congress I definitely know that that translation work is highly needed and it's something that I want to play a role in it's the comms and you coming out and the Glen Echo group is in Washington DC and that describes half of our role quite well no promo here but (laughs) check us out (laughs) No promo, no promo. It's but but they're great. <laughs> Thank you. No promo. Kenny, anything to add? Um, yeah. So what Lily said about the role we play as translators is so important. Um, my other takeaway from the visits to the White House offices was that I used to think of policy as something you do when you're older and you have ex- big mm-hmm. expertise and influence and then you know from the you get to go to the top of something and lead it and influence policy but then talking to them and learning about the different career paths especially when we went to the house um the Rayburn building and we got to talk to the fellow there um talking mm-hmm. about how he got into policy so I found that interesting so you really don't have to wait till you're at the end um there are ways to mm-hmm. engage right now um, mm-hmm. through like the open technology philanthropy and stuff like that that you know they mm-hmm. discuss so that was very insightful um, in terms of thinking about career paths so I would say where policy was once super long term for me it now seems more like it could be it could be way shorter than that um, and then also the framing and the com- them communicating their expertise and their issues just that reframing was very important for me. And that was just like my biggest takeaway as well from those visits. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it really solidified that there is a marriage between, you know, the social sciences and the hard sciences. There's always sort of like a butting heads between those two disciplines, but really like both of them need one another because both inform each other about a lot of things. And so, I was really happy to see sort of these things being tied together. And it also allows for like greater interdisciplinary thought to come to the table. And I'm really excited about how our generation is really going to think about their perspective going into these sort of topics. Um, And so on the conversation of hope, after our initiation program ended, do you actually feel hopeful about the future? There are still a few barriers to entry in this profession for, you know, women, people of color, 
and other underrepresented groups. And I hope that through this fellowship, we can sort of alleviate some of those systemic barriers. This question is open-ended and for anyone to answer. I definitely feel hopeful. I left feeling hopeful. I'm a grad student, so at the same time, I'm also in job hunting season, which can be overwhelming. But the foundry itself is such a diverse group. Um, it's a really diverse group. Your class, previous classes, and our class as well. And then just the different people that we got to meet at the conference. It was so wonderful to be a part of. So mm -hmm. I did feel hopeful that, oh, yeah, so this is like a space that could potentially be, you know, for me. Um, so I left very hopeful about that and also hopeful about mm -hmm. the investments being made and just, again, knowing that the people in charge know what they're talking about. So um, I, I did feel hopeful. I, I'm mm -hmm. very hopeful mm -hmm. still. Yay, I love to hear it. Lily? I think in a lot of ways I'm hopeful because it's... I wouldn't be in this work if I didn't have some sort of hope. You know, I'm not a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I am simultaneously. I do worry particularly about just a lot of these systemic issues when it comes to our political economy and the way that impacts uh, di issues of diversity and diverse voices and um, accessibility and the way that also um, gets involved with technology, how it's developed, why it's developed and how it's distributed. So I'm, I'm concerned in that larger way, but I, I do feel like we're in this nice like pocket of hope where we can like support each other and that feels really good um yes yes you know Agreed. I can only speak to my experience but I certainly it was amazing being surrounded by so many mm. great women um in this field because especially as a previous like open source investigator uh mm -hmm. that isn't always the case and um and it was also really nice to openly speak with a lot of people particularly about neurodivergency um and and you know what it's like to show up as a neurodivergent uh person um really in any industry but also mm -hmm. in in tech and so I think definitely another issue that I'm really passionate about is um you know, mental health and psychosocial right. resilience. I think that focusing on that will make sure that diverse voices that enter into the field stay. Because a lot of the times when we don't focus on these uh, larger cultural issues in the field, people leave, people drop because the culture isn't something that was built by or for them. In fact, it was explicitly built keep them out and so that's a larger issue that we also need to focus on that I'm really passionate about thank you so much for sharing both of your comments I I feel very happy that you both shared them it's really important and to sort of conclude uh as many of our listeners know the internet law and policy foundry is a career development fellowship so Akene Lily is there anything you would tell your high school or college self to do differently to bring you where you are today or do you have any advice for students in sort of those age groups thinking about a career in tech policy? 
Uh, I would tell my younger self in school to worry less um, because like I'm an, I'm an attorney, so people are very type A. I guess I'm a bit type A myself, but just it's always felt like everyone has this focus. They know what they want to do. And I was interested in so many different areas. And somehow those interests are coming together and it's making sense, if, if that makes no, sense. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so I would say, so I would say, don't, don't worry. Whatever it is you're interested in, just lean into it. And I would say like to young people interested in tech or in policy, just there's, just use the medium you prefer to mm-hmm. engage. If you want to write about it, write about it. If you want to make a TikTok, make a TikTok. Like there's room for everyone to um, have a say. Absolutely. Lily? That, that really resonated with me. I imagine a lot of people, um, because, because when you join a fellowship like this, chances are you, you're pretty, you're a go-getter. You're, Mm -hmm. you're someone, you're a little bit more of a type A personality. Mm -hmm. I, and I would tell myself in addition to the, you know, just, just be easier Mm -hmm. on yourself. You know, you don't need to have it all figured out right now. And in fact, even if you figure it all out right now, you will probably change later. Like, like it kind of said, lean into what you're interested in. You're going to find your way and you need to put some trust in yourself Mm. in that and uh, not join like 50 different clubs (laughs) and I was literally, I was at one point, my senior year of college, my last year of college, I had two jobs, two part-time jobs. I was running a human rights publication that I had started. I was an open source investigator and, and I was doing, oh, and I was in an co-ed professional international relations for oh wow all at once and i think about that now and i'm like all i want to do is stay at home with my cat (laughs) as Um, you deserve so i (laughs) as i deserve and you know what as cheeto deserves so yeah and i would also say to my college shelf just just take the coding class exactly we just take the coding class take it pass no pass just just it's okay and and I and if I could go even farther back in time I would go to my elementary school self and I'd be like it's all right if you don't think get things perfectly the first time you have to get used to that now or else coding by the time you get to college you're gonna hate it because coding is all about trial and error life is all about trial and error so so you gotta you gotta start getting used to not being good at things right away absolutely and I am adding a plus one to to college because to take it easy I had god knows how many majors and minors at some point and I'm here and I did take the jump and I did take the coding class I was a CS minor and the gaze of coding that it's only for a particular set of people only like very intellectual people can do it that is absolutely not true anybody can code anybody can learn a language take the class python is great (laughs) um i'm taking that right now (laughs) oh really good luck (laughs) it's actually no i actually really like python um i really know some back-end html is always good if you end up in comms uh I grew up on Tumblr, so HTML and I go are besties. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I wasn't wasn't still on it. <laughs> I love the recent Tumblr revival. It's been, it's this is this is truly my renaissance. Oh, I never left, so I'm. <laughs> I'm doing.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tech Policy Grind. Let us know what you think of this season. Get in touch with us at Foundry Podcasts with an S at ilpfoundry.us and leave us a review on whichever platform you may be tuning in on. Shout out to Lily and Akeke for joining the pod this week. Connect with them on LinkedIn or Twitter to learn more about them and their stories. I'm Rima Musa, the host, producer, and editor of the show, and this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of our team at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, particularly Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator and host of this episode, Allison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator, and Tim Lorden at the Internet Education Foundation. See you next time.